Hello everybody, welcome back to the Scrapyard. I am not your host Nathan, I am Xavier, here with Taylor. Hi! Nathan's at work, so, you know, we gotta do this episode without him. Today, we are going to continue our season previews with the Houston Outlaws, Soul Dynasty, and the Dallas Fuel. We will also be discussing uh, just a little bit about the hero bands, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. If you do want to join in the conversation, be sure to follow us on social media, at Scrapyard Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also hit up our Discord, there's a link in the show notes. And make sure to check out our YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash scrapyardmedia. Uh, we post a lot of content there, clips, it's, it's a good spot. Rule intro. Alright, so, before we get into the season preview, there's been a lot of news this week. Not necessarily as exciting as last week with, you know, Monte Cristo going scorched earth, but there's been a lot of discussion about the concept of hero bands and just ways to shake up the meta because, you know, we're going into the new season of Overwatch League and I feel like a lot of people are very vocal about their dislike of, you know, just a very stagnant meta. You know, having yeah. like three straight stages or whatever of the exact same meta. Um, we're looking into going into this season, you know, kind of the same like Doomfist May kind of deal that we're doing. Uh, so a lot of people have been talking about the idea of hero bands. And apparently Blizzard has been working on it, uh, like testing it out. Rumored. So a hero band system essentially would kind of look like you know, before a match starts, uh, the teams would presumably just have one band, because I don't think you can really sustain two whole bands. Yeah, I don't think you can do, like, let's ban a hero from each, like, DPS tank yeah. support. You kind of have to be a less... Like, one band feels like enough. But basically, one band, both teams won't be able to play that character, and then... You play it out like that. I, th I think it's similar to, like, Rainbow Six. They have, obviously, more bands, but Rainbow Six, they do have a band system. Uh, and you do see sometimes there are target bands where, like, they know the other team is very good at, like, Ash or whatever, so they'll mm -hmm. ban Ash. Uh, but then also, I'm not super familiar, but I do know in Dota and Rainbow Six, there are characters that are, like, perma-banned, where it's just an auto-ban all the time. And I think with a band system... I do like how it could shake up the meta, because yeah. let's say you're playing up against... Shanghai. Yeah, you're playing against Shanghai, and it's like, alright, I'm gonna ban Farah, because my team doesn't really have a great Farah, but their team has an incredible Farah. Our team doesn't know how to handle a Farah, as in the case of Titans. Yeah, and so we, we pick Farah, they can't play Farah, they're forced to adapt. But also, I think, with Overwatch League, and kind of Overwatch, I don't think it'll really stop. A meta from occurring because I could also t see I mean we see this a lot where teams are just very safe with what they do some teams are just slaves to meta mm -hmm. and I could see it being a situation where everybody just kind of comes to an agreement that like we well, auto ban Lucio yeah well too bad Lucio's gone yeah, yeah. and Lucio's just permanently banned and I, I I don't think that that's good because obviously a meta will form out of that where suddenly it's like all right well, well now we go moira brigette yeah moira, we're doing like baptiste, instead baptiste of yeah um and i could see that being an issue where there's this ban system but all these conservative teams are just picking the exact same hero to ban every time and we won't get the desired outcome of yeah. like true diversity in terms of a meta but i think a lot of people think of this as 
oh, we can get more diversity in DPS. And they don't necessarily think that teams aren't just going to ban Lucio all the time because he is the character in most yeah. compositions. He is the, like, he is the face of a support line. And I think part of the issue that will arise is, like, well, now it, if we do these character bans, we kind of fall behind on, like, well, now we're stuck with a really shit-tiered uh, Reaper because he's been nerfed so much this last time. Like, oh, D.Va just got buffed with her uh, boosters. Let's ban D.Va. No one can play D.Va. And then it's all like, well, now you're kind of stuck with people that Blizzard kind of lets on the fall side or the Overwatch team lets on the like fall side. And so there was, for a while, like, this meme where it was like, a three, two, one kind of lock, which if they brought that in one, Shanghai would go back to how they used to play. And two, I think if they incorporated like letting this stage go goats, this stage go two, 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 this stage go three, two, one, this stage do all these different kind of variations where it's like, oh, well, you know, we're going to just try out what it would be like to have two tanks, 28 PS, three supports or something like that or, you know, variations of those types of things, I feel like we would have that kind of what we miss in, like, a lot of the diversity. Because if you have just two strong tanks, let's say, like, the Shock has two strong tank players, then it's like, well, we can just focus our forces on this, like, doing this kind of thing, and then just let Sinatra kind of be the DPS in between, or let Architect be kind of the DPS in between. And then... If we did, you know, we would get to see Vancouver have their strengths for, like, a couple of weeks. And then it switches over to this other kind of lock. And it keeps things fresh, in a way. Even if it was, like, halfway through where it was, like, the midway All-Stars kind of thing. And then they switched it up to a different kind of lock afterwards. Like, perfectly even break time in between, blah, blah, blah. I think that would help the teams and the games seem less stagnant because there's like a lot of times where it's like I myself from playing Overwatch and it's like okay cool this 2-2-2 two, two, two lock is good and all but it's not really fun to play quick play like that especially if you just want to play as DPS because then you're sitting there for like hours and it's not really and it's like cool for competitive because then it's like you know for sure you're going to get what you need so I feel like going back and opening up kind of like well, if this is the lock you want to play, then you should be able to do in the, like, search where you're doing this type of lock. You know, when you're making, like, you're finding teams in the game itself. I think if they do 3-2-1, it's fucking stupid. Because the entire point of going 2-2-2 was, oh, it's going to make Overwatch way easier to balance. It's going to make this game so much easier to balance. And clearly that hasn't happened because everybody is bitching and complaining about balance still. So if you go 3-2-1, and, you know, you incorporate that into, like, the Overwatch League somehow, I think that's absolutely stupid, because at that point, why even have Rolock? Because we saw at the end of Stage 3, Shanghai basically killed GOATS. I think if there wasn't a Rolock going into Stage 4, no, very few people would be so committed to GOATS, because Shanghai figured that out. Yeah. And suddenly, the San Francisco Shock aren't committed to goats because it's like oh they figured out something with this three three dps thing that completely destroys goats and the shock have people comparable 
to what Shanghai has, so the shock are going to go three DPS. And suddenly more teams are going to see that, well, the top two teams are going three DPS, let us mess around and adapt to this new meta, and suddenly GOATS is getting phased out because Shanghai figured it out. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, you're having effectively three, two, one. We saw in season one, there were times where it'd be like, oh, all right, we're going to have Jaehong play off tank for Seoul because we're going one healer. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. But I think if you're doing anything other than two, 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 it proves one that it wasn't open roles that was hindering Blizzard's ability to balance. It was Blizzard not being able to balance the game Mm -hmm. to make people content. But also it just shows like, why even have 2-2-2 then if I feel like in in stage 3 we saw a drastic shift in meta and that's just going to come and maybe if Blizzard was faster to update their game yeah and put out patches yeah then suddenly we're in a position where we're not stuck with goats for three stages and a little bit of last season where people were messing with goats and all of contenders before Overwatch League then we're stuck with maybe a cup like you know a month or two of goats and then balance patches come in and then it's a new meta mm-hmm. um but also i'm in favor of just letting them figure it out too because shanghai figured it out yeah and i and think that... we would have saw things completely change and that could have changed what the goats meta had been if someone figures out how to defeat it then that's where the meta shifts and I think that has always been an argument is when they do patches and they do nerfs, buffs, and try to, like, equalize the game, it always seems like they do these things that they, like, come, like, months ago they uh, nerfed D.Va's boosters, her Matrix, all that. And now they're like, let's just go back to fixing, like, characters. They pick, like, this these very few characters. And if you're going to fix, just do a bigger patch fix all the characters so that they're balanced and then when things start getting wacky again you add a new character in like a Hammond or something then you can just be like well guess we gotta figure it out but that lets the meta shift organically and I don't think that with what they do and with if they implement a like roll lock and they're not a roll lock but a hero ban they won't like it will It'll... Be organic for a little bit, but then it'll get stagnant because it's like, well, nobody plays Lucio anymore, so... It'll cover up, like, the shitty meta now. Yeah. Like, it'll cover up their lack of being able to balance because people can just ban out overpowered heroes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's dumb. If you're doing a hero ban, I think it should accompany more hero releases because I think what makes hero bans worth it in terms of, like, Rainbow Six... Who has, like... They don't have as many characters as Overwatch, I but don't they think. Have a... But it's more diverse. Yeah. Like, their characters are more... There's a, there's redundancy with what you can do. Um, and League of Legends and Dota have, like, 100-plus characters. And there's a lot of redundancy within that. But I think that that makes it so you can ban something and not completely just murder a particular strategy. Mm-hmm. You just might have to play somebody slightly worse at... You know, they ban... I don't know much about League of Legends, but, like, you ban somebody that's the top jungling hero in the game you ban that but like all right well you have the option of adapting your strategy or you just pick somebody that's functionally similar but might be slightly worse at jungling however you know the particular style is 
And you just kind of have to trade that off where, all right, I'm going to play somebody slightly worse, you know, in terms of the big grand meta, but I'm also still able to kind of execute the game plan we want. And so I think not every single hero in Overwatch needs to be, like, super different. But, like, you know, it's like Widowmaker and Ash. If people ban Widowmaker, I could see a lot of people being like, all right, well, I'll play Ash because it's a similar yeah. style. Or, yeah. you know, you ban Hanzo, it's like, all right, well... I'll go to Ash. Like, you know, you still have that sniper role. And mm -hmm. I think that you could use that with, I think Winston and Hammond are kind of similar. Very similar. In terms of that. But I think you do need more it's in the people like Roadhog yeah. or like D.Va. It's the people in the support also where it's like every single support. There's no like, when you think of Moira, there's, there's not no, another Mercy. There's not another Mercy. There's not another Lucio. There's not another Moira. It's all like very similar. And I think the only time I've seen where hero bands truly work is in like League and Dota's and those kinds and then like fighting tournaments where it's like, well, we know that this dude is a one trick on this one yeah, and you character. Make them be so you're like, you have to, f so you force them never to play like, I don't know, Chun-Li or something ever again. So you're like, well, we're banning Chun-Li for you. So you have to pick up your second, mm -hmm. which happens to be Akuma, but I don't understand why, but you know, like it's like that kind of yeah. thing. And I think that's the only time where I've seen where a hero ban truly works. And because Overwatch only has, like, what, 25, 26, 27-ish, 30-ish characters. Yeah. And most of them being DPS. Most of them being <laughs> DPS, where there's not a huge, inter like, there's not a big change out. Like, sure, Hammond and Winston are interchangeable. They both are high mobility. They do similar things, drop in from above. But it's like, there's no other D.Va in the tank line. There's no other Orisa or Rhine or Rode. Yeah. And then the support line, there's like literally none of those supports you can interchange out. Like if I got, if you ban Baptiste, it's like, well, I have nothing else to be like Baptiste. You have nothing else to yeah, be like Moira. Yeah, you ban Lucio, it's like, all right, well, no more speed. And it's like yeah, maybe... You ban Zenyatta. Yeah, like you can have another character have a speed ability, but have it not be like as good as Lucio yeah. or like the same as Lucio. And it could just be different. And a lot of the DPS are interchangeable in that in the form so if they were to implement a hero ban i feel like it should only be in the dps because there is so many dps that it'd be like well we're gonna ban like diva well it's like well there's not really anything else i can play like i can go to road but then that's gonna throw off that could that could fuck their own team like if new york was all like oh we're banning diva for some reason because it's like choyobin it's like, that not only fucks San Francisco Shock, but that also fucks you. Because, like... And, I mean, I don't... I, th I feel like a lot of people have this idealistic world where... I mean, I feel like we're belaboring the point, but, like, you know, somebody's going to play New York and ban Zenyatta, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to ban what's meta. So it's like, oh, I'll let you have Zenyatta because Zenyatta's trash right now. And yeah. who cares if Jonat gets to play Zenyatta? We need to ban Lucio. Lucio's going to get permabanned. Yeah. Um, but bans like cool. I like. I don't. Think I like the concept of bans because bans are exciting. I don't know? think it should. I think it should be kind of strictly for Overwatch League and maybe higher competitive. Like I would hate to be somebody in like gold, silver, bronze, and be like told that we're doing a hero ban. I just hate to because have I to feel like go it's through hero ban. yeah because I feel like it's super. It'll become toxic in like lower ranking groups where it's like well we're just gonna hero ban hanzo and it's like well yeah obviously but that also takes the hero ban away from something that should be hero banned whereas like now i'm going against this for some reason diamond player 
who gets to play their main what's the point of doing that yeah i don't know hero bands are just kind of weird especially like in the core game um in a game that's so one young and two again not enough yeah choice but i mean who cares because if hero bands happen we'll talk about when they happen yeah but there are hero bands anymore there are hero bands now however there are three teams that if hero bands happened one of the teams would be fine but i think the other two teams that we're going to talk about today would absolutely fall apart uh so let's talk about the team that will be fine and most likely the best team this season which is the soul dynasty they had 15 and 13 last last season 64 53 map record made stage one three and season playoffs two playoff victories against the charge in the play-ins and new york in stage one playoff losses to the titans shocks and spark in the playoffs which is always sad to see spark being able to take out something like the dynasty um, yeah, the the dynasty's record last season. I think fifteen and third. Like, well, we called them such a mid, like the 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 team you had a the gatekeepers. Yeah, they're gatekeepers. Yeah, and I think they're still kind of gatekeepers. But I think the thing with the Soul Dynasty's record at fifteen and thirteen is when you watched them last season, they never really felt like they I don't clicked. know, like like a real team yeah, they, they that you click. had to worry about. Mm-hmm. They, they never had, at least to me, they never truly had a moment where it felt like Shanghai felt or like Atlanta felt in the last stage where you're like, oh God, all right, this team is figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Or similar to the charge where even the charge had a similar record to them, but I think the charge had significantly more excitement coming out of the season going into play-ins mm-hmm. compared to Seoul, which sure, they had kind of success and i think their apex of the season was defeating new york in the stage playoffs but other times it's like you look at their record and it's two wins two losses one win one loss two wins two losses three losses even yeah it's just they're not they never got a giant losing streak but they never had a really big win streak they were just kind of perfectly fine and they won the games that you expected but then they lost the games that you expected I as feel well like they did the same thing that philly i think yeah, just they're... kind of skirted by yeah. and they just did their best and which is like i just feel like soul dynasty just didn't click less i think they tried so hard to keep what they had before and try to work with what they had and it was just at some point you kind of felt like they realized Ooh, see, this was a bad choice. And they just were like, well, we know we have good players. Let's just push through and just try to get vi- some victories. If we lose, we lose. But we can match them out in victories against like teams like Florida or, God, who knows else, Washington. <laughs> and they tried a lot of different things last season, I think. They started off really wacky, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, they had a full 12 roster. And kind of their thing last season was having like an A team and a B team. Mm-hmm. And so everybody got play. I mean... Fleta got play, but then Fleta would get benched for Fitz and and um and Elicit. And then, you know, Munchkin played a little bit and he left, and then Fissure was on the team, and then he left, and then you had Marvel and Michelle, who are still very good. Uh, and then even in the support line, I mean like Toby played pretty consistently, like all the maps, but then you know, there'd be weird maps where like Jaehong was benched and Jexay would come in, but then like it's obvious Jaehong is better than Jexay. And I felt like it was a year of figuring out what you have. 
And what and, to get rid of. Yeah, and, like, what to get rid of. What you feel like you don't need. And, I don't, however, I don't think last season with them figuring out what you need and you don't need, they had the idea that they were going to sign Prophet, Jester, Bedosian, and Creative. Yeah. I don't think they thought they were going to ever cut Jaehong and Fleta. Yeah. Jaehong and Fleta are two actual big losses. Highly, Jexay, and Zumba are, like... Not, you know they they weren't bad but they weren't the they're best. not necessities yeah. but Jaehong and Fled are two of basically they're two best players yeah when you think of like cuts you would have you would assume outright that Hailey Jexy and Zumbo were the ones that like oh yeah you can see that they're kind of like pushing them off to the the side and then Jaehong and Fleta came out saying that they were no longer on the team and you know <sighs> yeah so they signed Prophet Jester Bedosian and Creative so they basically signed London basically i mean you look at the starting lineup and it's basically going to be profit gesture Bedosian as starters and then toby's going to play and then i'm pretty sure it's marvel who's the off tank um and there is there is something with soul when i look at them and i think marvel and michelle were very good mm-hmm. last season i thought and Going into this, obviously Jester is going to start. Jester is not riding the bench. But I wonder how much value Jester is going to bring you compared to just having your tank line of Marvel and Michelle who played basically every map together. Yeah. And they played almost every map that Soul played. Yeah. And I value having a tank line that is just consistent and is very good. And I mm-hmm. wonder if, obviously you have to bring in Jester... But I just wonder if Jester's necessarily worth it compared to your tank line that already has a lot of synergy. They already work really well together. There's chemistry there already, yeah. which is something that I feel a lot of these teams are not trying to create. Yeah. There's like plenty of teams that have great chemistry and like connections and they're good friends and you can tell that they're good friends. And then there's like teams where you're like bringing in like, let's say London, all these new guys. And then you have a couple of old dudes and it's like, well... It's going to be very hard for these people to intermingle and get used to each other immediately. Even if it's just, like, scrims and stuff, there's still going to be, when it comes down to the games, some issues. And I feel bringing in literally some of the best players from London for the Dynasty is what's going to set them above being gatekeepers, which I think we've dedicated to the spark or the charge now. Yeah. Um, Possibly Washington. Yeah. Question However, mark? this does also very much feel like Prophet being LeBron James being like, hey, if you want to sign me, you have to... Bring my homies. <laughs> yeah, like, you have to bring in Bedosian and Jester. And, you know, if you get the same chance to sign Prophet, you do what he says. Yeah. And so you do it. And I, <laughs> I, I think having Prophet on this team is really good. Mm-hmm. And I think a DPS line of Prophet and Fitz is way better than a lot of people are going to expect. Obviously, when Prophet was signed, the dream of Prophet and Fleta was short, but exciting, and then Fleta left. But I think Prophet and Fitz, or Prophet and Illicit, is very good, and yeah. especially Prophet and Fitz, because I thought Fitz really turned it on towards like the end of the season, and it wasn't. And he looked like a worthy partner with Fleta. Now, with their first. Three games, Spark, Dragons, Valiant. How do you see that going? Because I can see them having... Well, they shit on the Valiant. 
Yeah, they obviously, that one's the easy one. I'm talking about Spark and the dragons. I can see them struggling against the dragons. I think, but, I think they lose to the Spark and then everybody has a panic attack. I do too. I can see like, that. And it's like, oh wow, you brought in all these London players who who never rose to the occasion and blah, Spark blah, Spark gets like a, 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 a very solid, like accidental win kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because Spark is a team that They're is basically bad. the same. Yeah. And They're they were not... the fourth they were the number four team in the league last year, and it was for a good reason. They are very good and very consistent. Uh-huh. And I think Seoul very well could just come into like this first couple games and lose to the Spark just because the Spark are a prepared. better yeah. a better prepared team, and then lose to the Dragons because the Dragons look unstoppable. Yeah, the Dragons have a very good team, and then everybody is going to have a panic attack and be like, "Oh no." Here why we go did, again. Yeah, why did Seoul sign these these London dudes? We knew this wasn't going to work. Uh, you know, all the bad attitudes and unculturable and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Seoul's going to run off a couple wins. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to look stupid for writing London, for, you know, for writing Seoul off so early. Yeah. Because th- Seoul is a very good team. I think what a lot of people do, especially because you're bringing it up and how they're going to immediately react to, like, spark and then dragons defeats and then winning against a valiant but that's like expected as i said i feel like a lot of people are looking at it and they're forgetting that like yeah it's a team but like you gotta do as we said the individual talent like just because they lost look at the stats that bedosian profit gestures putting up Look at the stuff, like, just p- look at the stats that Michelle and Marvel are putting up and being like, well, they should have won, but there were these mistakes. I think it's taking more time to watch the match more critically, and especially with the replay that you have access to. I feel like you can be like, this is like the pinpoint moment where it's like, well, that's where they fucked up. They had the fight, but, you know, Soul does that thing where they just kind of keep pulling themselves further and further back and then they'll allow an aggressive team like spark and dragons to just kind of barrel on through and then that by the time that soul has finished peeking and like poking and just getting like their their gain spark and the dragons will have bolted two times and won two more fights than soul has even won one and i feel like that's always a problem with soul but when soul does it right they do it right they just need to be more aggressive and I feel like that helps with people from London because London is a very calculated but aggressive team. Yeah, they I knew think... when to fall back. They knew when to push forward. Yeah, but this team, they're probably just gonna go like fifteen and thirteen again, like just a similar <laughs> record. Uh, lose. I feel like they're gonna lose early and then kind of turn it on late. But I just can't see a team with profit, like not succeeding because at any given time he is the best player in in the match you know against any given team and obviously having gesture is a great thing but i think seoul is just a little bit more stable of a team as well compared to london which i feel like there are all these weird like rumors of you know london's coaching was bad and london was just trying to out talent people and just kind of a bunch of dudes playing overwatch but not really playing as a team and seoul for how middling they were last season always kind of figured things out when fissure left they figured things out when munchkin left they obviously figured things out 
Uh, when Fleta would have a bad stretch, they would figure stuff out. And I think that's valuable of just having a stable organization around you and having great talent as well. Uh, but also, I don't know, they're not like incredible. And I think the rest of the league has gotten so much better that yeah. Seoul isn't going to run off like a five game, six game winning streak. And so Ugh. I think 15 and 13 is a very reasonable reasonable conclusion i see them perhaps getting at least a four game win streak looking at some of the people they have to go against they'll probably get like a four game win streak which is which is good for them yeah but that that pacific east division is a bloodbath i mean they they're playing a lot of very good teams frequently so that's going to be uh, a big challenge they obviously have to place the shock for the route of rumble that's a big game. Like, Seoul's involved in a lot of big games, and I think... There's... They even have Vancouver eventually, so... Yeah, so they're going to have basically all eyes on them uh, most of the season because they do have Profit and Gesture and their Seoul Dynasty, which is the Korean team. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot riding on it. Um, I, I do see a lot of people talking about the fact that they fucked up by not having Glister on this team, but... It seems pretty obvious. I mean, just to close out this whole thing, but it seems very obvious that in order to sign Profit and Jester, Genji, who is basically Soul Dynasty, they needed to, like, give London Glister. They needed to yeah. give London some things in order to sign Profit and Jester. I, I feel like there is some deal there where, yeah. you know, they were probably planning on staying, and then it's like, well, we'll... we'll We'll, you know, we'll kind of let you sign Glister on a deal. We'll let you sign, you know, a couple other cats. And then we can talk to Profit and, and Gesture and work out a deal with them. Because it's kind of a fair, like, almost like they traded the players. But... Yeah, but it's not like a true trade. Yeah. Um, and I think the Fleta thing is also, you know, you just got, to, I think Profit is probably stupidly expensive. I think Gesture is really expensive. And none of the rest of the dudes on Soul really feel expensive, but obviously Profit and Gesture take up most of your payroll, and Fleta was just kind of like. Fleta and Jaehong needed the money, so yeah. and like... Fleta and Jaehong needed to go because I don't think you wanted to pay Fleta what other teams would probably. Fleta pay. I bet Shanghai played a paid a lot for Fleta. Um, you know the Titans paid a lot for Jaehong. Yeah. So and that's why you're always mad at them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so... yeah, you're right. But um, moving on to. Dallas Fuel. They had a 10 and 18 last season, 43-73 map record, made stage 2 playoffs, lost to the Titans uh 03. Uh they started the season 9 and 5 going to stage 2 playoffs okay, only. Okay. So ooh. <laughs> before we talk about how they ended their season, I do want to say 10 and 18 does not tell the story of how awful Dallas was last season. That's true. Because they went nine and five going to stage two playoffs, and then they only won one game to finish the season one and thirteen. Basically, Dallas Fuel held a homestand and then said, "Fuck the rest of the season." Am I right? Yeah. The thing with Dallas, they is basically like, did the SpongeBob meme. They were like, "I, right, I'm gonna head out." The thing with Dallas is when you looked at them, they had like all this hope. You know, they made the stage playoffs. OG was playing great. Uh, you know, they had the first ever homestand. There was all this excitement around them. And then everything just, like, absolutely fell apart. It's like a and suddenly, down. Yeah. And suddenly they were a team that was just, like, 
fuck it, throw Taimu in there. Like, let's just figure something out. Get Harry out. Hook in now. <laughs> yeah, they played, I'm pretty sure they played Mickey as just like a... As a meme. Yeah, as like, well, the fans are going to love it. And it Dallas... stopped went... being so much about winning the games because they were fucked. It more so became like, we got to keep this fan base going. Let's keep this people happy. Yeah, Dallas went from a team with like actual hope. I mean, 9-5, and five, you continue the rest of the season being like decent you're making the playoffs yeah. there are a lot of teams that were like nine and five ish at that time and to go to end the season one and 13 is absolutely awful and one and 13 even doesn't tell how bad they were because that what the one win was like two games into stage three and then they just got dumpstered the rest of the time and unlike teams like florida i think Boston people turned on Washington unlike those teams that quite frankly just had no hope anyway like nobody expected <laughs> we didn't believe in them to begin with yeah people expected something from Dallas mm -hmm. and the fact that Dallas absolutely shit the bed is very disappointing and I think that it left a lot of a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth mm -hmm. and you would see at the end of last season there was a lot of animosity towards Dallas, Dallas's players, and that's that was almost uncomfortable to see because it, it of how like, much people turned on them. Yeah, it was like people turning on like actual sports players and burning their jerseys, kind of. Um, yeah. Like it had that same vibe, but not as an extreme like protest. But it had that same kind of feeling, and it just kind of made you like, ugh, that's. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, you would watch Dallas games, and it just felt like nothing was, nothing was think... really gonna happen. Like you watch Washington, it's like, oh shit, Corey. You watch Florida, and they were awful, but it's like, oh wow, Sia player. They even were doing color, things. Yeah, even like Color Hex had moments where you were just like, wow, he's really good. But with Dallas, nothing ever felt really exciting. You would just go into a Dallas game and be like, yeah, they're gonna lose. And it felt like. And it's, it's terrible to say, because I had watched plenty of games where, you know, the, the, the movie magic of the Blizzard Arena, rest in peace, was if the team had enough, if there was enough people sitting in, they came through the middle entrance. If there wasn't, they came through the side entrance. And I don't think there was a single, like, obviously Washington, Florida, all these teams were already known as bad. I don't think there was a single Dallas game after their homestand where they didn't walk in from the side unless they were going against, like, L.A. or, you know, Shanghai or the Shock. Yeah, and obviously it's just keep belaboring how bad Dallas was. Going into, like, the roll lock, I feel like people were... Hopeful. Hopeful, because it's like, all right, Zach, he's a good flex. We can kind of work this out. And then that never worked out. And I think they were even more sad to watch in 2-2-2 because you didn't really have the GOAT's excuse to fall back on. Now it's like, oh no, you guys are just bad. Full stop. I think... And they had bright spots. Yeah. Closer is dope. Unko is dope. OG is always dope. And Note is... Mm. Acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> and even Zach was like, fine on May. You would just look at this team and be like, none of you seem like you want to play these last seven, eight games of the yeah. season. It seems like y'all are ready for the offseason. Yeah. They felt done. Especially, like, OG. I, I brought a, yeah. this up. You can go back. You can go back and listen. I literally point out the minute where I see OG's soul die. 
But I feel like also what didn't help Dallas is it came out that so many players after the Dallas homestand were unhappy, which then you could literally physically see on stage. And then it was like, with going into the 2-2-2 lock in stage four, it was hopeful because there was so much shit talking coming from a certain Dallas player that he was just locked on Brig. I can't do anything because it's not my hero. But they didn't have any like, oomph the player in question they just kind of never improved and then there's other players that like finally got playing time that also were like it's not fair that we're on the bench all the time and then it's like well you only came out really to be like yeah fans cool thanks for play time which was cool i'm not complaining about like giving harry hook and taimu that time and mickey that time to come on stage and kind of shine was great because they are senior players and they but are at that, at that point it was like the season was over yeah and it was it just they were just playing just to play and it and it was both like great to see them but you also knew like why they were getting to play and it's like that middle ground over where it's like that's just fucked up at that point it's just like that's fucked up but time it was worth a try and he had like a couple good games but then at the end of the day it was like yeah time not the answer uh harry hook was dope I thought his playing time was really good, and I'm really glad he's still on this team. Oh, yeah. So, but they did cut Taimu. Uh, he's playing for piece. their contenders team, uh, which I think is I think is that's a good change. Awesome. I think that's I, a one, good change of pace. I love that he wasn't so up his own ass that he understood, like, all right, I'm not going to get any playing time on this team. I'm going to go down to Team Envy and play in contenders, and I, th- I think contenders could really use that boost. Because I feel like when Team Envy plays, it's going to be some of the most viewed contenders, North American contenders game especially, just because Taimu has star power. And I really like that. And I would love to see teams have that be an option of, hey, we can send some of these dudes that just aren't going to get playing time down to our contenders roster and and work with those guys. That's really good. So I thought Taimu doing that was a great move. Yeah, and that builds good team over time. If you're sending some of your, like Atlanta Rain does, they interchange their players. It feels like a true organization. Yeah, and that gives these, like, the contenders players that never have gotten to play on a stage like that, then it gives them that experience. So when they eventually do come up, they already have experience. And that's, like, something that's talked about so much is, like, having the experience. Like, will this contenders player get the experience of playing live in front of all these people? And it's like, well, yeah, they kind of do that already. But it's, like, just on a grander scale. Yeah, so time of doing that is super dope. I love seeing just the ability to... Uh, take a step take back. On, yeah, take a step back and, like, embrace it. And I, I, I do really respect that. And OG, he's gone. He's an L.A. man now. Uh, it's... His hair, his uh, his platinum hair kind of fits that. Yeah, he's playing with space. It's going to be dope. But we talked about the Gladiators weeks ago. We're talking about Dallas now. They signed <laughs> Doha, DPS from Element Mystic, yet again. We don't know much about contenders. However, everybody talks about Doha like he's a fucking nut. And I think I see his name constantly. Yeah, everybody's like, Twitter. oh, Doha's the dude. And he was like Sparkle's homie, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was those two. And they signed Decay, who was, I don't know, he's fine. Yeah. He's a very good, high ceiling kind of guy. I think if Decay pops off how he can pop off. Like, the, you know, It's a Decay, good pop off. It's yeah. not like a bad thing. Decay had plays last year where you're like, oh shit, okay, he's really good. 
But I don't think Decay was able to kind of be consistent. And I think you do need consistency out of your flex DPS. And Gamzu, who is a gigantic upgrade over OG. Sorry. Gamzu is is great, but Gamzu is far superior. Gamzu is not only a leader that people seem to, like, rally around. Which OG was a leader on this team and they rallied around him. But Gamzu pairs being a leader with being just really, really, really good at the game. <laughs> yeah. And I think that OG, you know, he's he's a very good leader and a rallying force. But I think he's a leader in kind of like that second, third option player where everybody's going to rally around him because he's a vocal force. But you also have a true leader on the team mm-hmm. that's actually kind of guiding you you know on i was gonna say on the court <laughs> watch basketball a lot guys but like you it's, know in technically the game, it's a court so yeah but like you, the dude you're gonna rally around on the on in the game and gamzu's that dude everybody loves gamzu uh, yo, he's nobody's he just, ever said a bad word about gamzu he has such a friendly face too so it's great to see yeah. um, so they actually have a leader yeah and i which thought is what last they need. year last year they didn't Harry Hook felt like a leader because I think when he came in, there was like this air of like, all right, dudes, let's go. And he's a veteran player, but Gamzu is a true leader in the game. Yeah. And you need that because they didn't have a leader for a lot of the time. Yeah. And I do want to point out with what you just said with Harry Hook is like, there was such a dour feeling watching Dallas, like, because you could just tell all of them were kind of like, I am so sick and tired of this. But when Harry Hook, Taimu, and Mickey kind of show up and they got to play, there was, like, such a nice positive radiance. Because those are, like, probably, other than, you know, certain complaints, um, they're probably the most positive people in all of Overwatch League, like, outside of space. <laughs> like, they're so positive. But the question is, will they not suck? Because they go against the Valiant, Shock, and Dynasty first. Which, okay, they can beat the Valiant. Mm, the Shock. The Shock, they're going to get fucking gonna dumpstered get by the Shock of the Dynasty. It's going to be rough. That is our homestand, even, so... Yeah, they're going to get dunked on. But are they better than Shock, Titans, no. Gladiators, or Valiant? <laughs> Not better than any of them. They're Which better so than the Valiant s- because the Valiant I, are garbage. They're, they're still until proven... Innocent until proven guilty. I don't think they will do any better well not that they won't do any better they'll probably do better i just think that it's very unfortunate that dallas does not have like a midwestern like bracket to go through yeah if dallas had like an easier division like a nevada cincinnati or something like that you know like like, some shitty teams but they have to play the shock easy wins for the shock they have to play the titans the titans are going to destroy them the gladiators are I would say probably your best bet to get an actual win. Like an upset win, too. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Bergen is going to shit on your team. Space and OG are very good, and they still have Shaz and Big Goose. And OG is going to be like, well, now I get to... Revenge be- games. Yeah, revenge games. And revenge games always come out in favor of the person who left the team. Like, the only real, like, for sure wins are the Valiant, and that's just because the Valiant are understaffed. The Valiant just don't that's, have the talent. Poor guys, But man. that's basically, like, they're just getting those wins by default because the Valiant are trying to figure things out. I do think Dallas, they have more hope than last year. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. There's... Like, you, like, you look at their team and it's like, all right, I see how you guys win. I love Closer and Unco still. They're really cool to watch, especially Closer. I think Closer is the OG. The gigantic glaring issue 
is Note. Because Note is the most okay player of all time. And he's wishy-washy. And it's like, I just don't know if you can really hang your hats on Note and Mickey as your off-tank positions. Can you actually play the game is the question with Note. Yeah, Yeah, like Note can play Overwatch. But I don't know if he's necessarily a player that can win on a team like this. Because I think a team like this needs more just playmakers. And I don't really see Note ever being in a game where you're watching and like, Oh my god, Note did this and this. And, you know, we're talking about Note on Tuesday and we're like, this dude was mental. I, I genuinely don't think we will ever talk about a Note highlight this entire podcast this season. That's uh, yeah, And that's, that's an issue because a team like this where they are lacking in talent, their way of getting wins against a Shock or a Titans is just having three or four players that just play out of their minds. And I think Note playing out of his mind is still Note just playing slightly above average. See, But like Decay playing out of his mind is in- insane possibilities. What people say about Doha playing out of his mind would be insane. And I think they just Gamzu, don't have a third person. Yeah, a and solid Gamzu, third person. Yeah, and Gamzu was played out of his mind well, yeah. for Shanghai, where there were times where he looked like the best player on the team. Uh, this team just lacks real... Playmakers. Playmakers. A lot of dope players. I just don't know if they're dope enough to stack up against... Like, what What do they do when they run into Erster and Edison? Yeah. They get dunked on. Yeah. No matter what. You know, what do they do when they run into... Yeah, like, when they run into Profit on the Soul Dynasty. What are they going to do? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a lot of teams... Saya Player and Yaki. Like, there's a lot of teams that you run into... And you just don't see where the talent gap is made up. Yeah, they don't have a duo, which is what we keep bringing back. They don't have, like, a duo where you're all like, that's the duo. They have one dope dude in each position. I think Closer's the dope dude in support. Doha or Decay are the The dope dope dude dude. in the DPS. And then Gamzu's clearly the dope tank. And Doha and Decay could become that duo that they need. Yeah, or they suck. Like, (laughs) Or they're just, like, perfectly fine, and we're looking at them like, you guys are good players, but... You know, they're Get on the out level. while you have a chance. Doha and Decay feels like Bird Ring and I'm pretty sure it's Mirror. Where <laughs> there are high possibilities, but this DPS line has a ton of questions. And I think Bird Ring and whoever the fuck else that they have as their team. I think that's going to be like a... They're just going to be rotating yeah. partners for Bird Ring like they did Jinmu last season in Chengdu. Which is like, alright, Bird Ring and insert Flex DPS here. Yeah, uh, And I think that that's going to be the same for... Uh, the Dallas Fuel, where it's going to be probably Decay or Doha, but I think neither of their roster spots are entirely safe, because mm-hmm. I could see Zach taking a roster spot, um, I could see them making a signing, there's a lot of things that can happen. Yeah. But, it's probably the worst Texas team so far which, that we're going to talk about. Which because is surprising, because... Houston's he... about to go off this season. Yeah, and Houston had all kinds of problems last yeah, year. Yeah, so they went 9 and 19 last season. However, unlike Dallas, I think their record doesn't tell the story of how pretty good they were. Yeah. In in hindsight, how pretty good they were. Uh 47 69 and nice. 3 map record. Uh made stage 3 playoffs. I don't even remember that. <laughs> I when I was writing these show notes, I deadass was like, wait, they made stage playoffs? Yeah, he said it out loud, to sitting next to me writing the show notes. He said, 
Did you know Houston Outlaws made stage three playoffs? And I was like, they did what? When, yeah. who, how, and where? Obviously, they got dunked on by the Titans. But that was because of the, you know, every stage playoffs, yeah. the Titans were there. So if and, you're the first team to go up against the Titans, you're kind of no matter yeah. what. And then they finished the season one and six in stage four. And they also had a nine-game losing streak in the middle of the season, like between stage one and two. So they had abhorrent losing streaks. And coupled with that were a couple really, really good wins. I thought their stage three, obviously they made stage playoffs, but their stage three was a genuinely good stage. And it showed kind of what this team could be. They beat the Shock in that stage, and they were one of the first, not the first team, because Shanghai was doing it. But I thought Houston did, like, the Somber Goats thing better than Shanghai did. Oh, especially because of who they had on their team. Yeah, you have Dante. Like, Dante's yeah. the best Sombra, so obviously you're going to do Sombra Goats better. But they had a really good uh, series of wins, which I think why I said their record is a little better in retrospect is you looked at the Houston thing, and when things kind of worked out, you're like, oh, okay, I see how this team can be good. Yeah. You have high-level players, but then Stage 4 came and it's like, oh, there's a giant talent gap between you and some of the other teams, and mm-hmm. maybe you were more fortunate that Somber Goats was a thing and you are kind of playing a handicap where other teams weren't able to really use their DPS talent, but you were able to still play Dante on his best hero. Yeah. Like, there, you know, there is something to be said about that. And also the Houston Outlaws, no, even if they were losing, they never looked like they were having that problem. And Dante has said over and over and over again that his favorite game from last season was when he beat the Shock. Yeah, that was their best game of the season. And and it's, so not even, and it's not even just like, we beat the Shock. It's just like that, that experience of him like being able to go over, like when the guys came over and like they did the handshakes and stuff and like Sinatra being like, I can't believe you've got me, man. You had my, you had me locked down. And that's like that, that good, that goodness that we see. And I feel like anytime we see Dante being able to do his thing against the Shock or other former Shock teammates, especially against like Atlanta or Washington or anywhere else where, you know, uh, Toronto where former Shock players are going, you always get to see Dante kind of have that moment where it's like, I got you. I'm going to get you and I'm going to target you. There will be at least one time in like most clips where you see Dante specifically going after like sleepy baby bay. Cause he can't, he's like, I know how you play. I'm going to get you. And I think that's like a good thing to watch, but they cut cool Matt. Yeah. He's what? Like an assistant coach now. Uh, like... He's still in the organization. So yeah. it's not like a cut. It's more like a, you've been promoted to a, coaching yeah like you're a coach you don't have to do all the stupid playing the game shit you just get you got out of high school and you got the job as the coach for some reason so jake he's a commentator now he also you know houston has some pretty good moves in the uh, former players they're getting pretty good replacement jobs and bonnie and arhan didn't play so like yeah uh they signed hydration blase jexe mecco repel and hoovreg and harsha bondi from the vancouver titans as coaches. This is the wildest... There's a lot of moves. Wildest ride in the wilderness. <laughs> so a lot of people are talking shit about the... And I just want to say... You're wrong. <laughs> I think it's very easy to obviously overhype this team. I'm not going to say they're top 10 or anything. 
but they're definitely not bottom level. They're like 11, 12. Bill Simmons voice, you know, they're like top 10, top 11, which means they're 10 or 11. They're good. I think hydration is a gigantic pickup and Mecco is a gigantic pickup. Because they basically took a dude from every every one of the top teams and was like, "You're mine now." Yeah, because Hydration is <laughs> one of the most flexible players, and his his version of flexibility is actually useful. Like RCK was flexible, but like it wasn't useful in actual Especially roll lock with, style yeah. game. However, Hydration is a very good tank, and it's basically confirmed he's going to pretty much be a tank this year, and. He can still be a DPS when you need him to be, depending Mm -hmm. on, like, you know, how meta shakes out or in between maps and stuff. So Hydration is basically a tank, and he clearly replaces Cool Map, but I think he also has the potential to play next to Mecho, because Mecho's probably going to get the start. Mecho is a very good off-tank. He's coming from New York. He's going to play. He was one of New York's two tanks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but Hydration very well could just play next to Mecho. I'm sure there are compositions where Hydration and Mecho are going to play together. Mm-hmm. However, the ability to have Hydration or Mecho come in next to Muma and just have a flexible tank line where if the meta shakes out where Hydration's a better Sigma, have Hydration play. Oh, Diva's here? All right, let's figure out who's the better Diva. Who's the better whatever the fuck? And let's figure this out. And I think that having that flexibility is super valuable in the off-tank position because you're most likely never going to be left in a position where you have a trash off-tank because somebody's going to be able to play one of those roles. And again, with Houston being able to take a step back and be like, okay, you know who we want to keep? Muma, Dante, a few other people, but, you know, they kept who... They're the two best players. They kept who truly matters. And not only that, they kept their literal faces... Like, sure, they lost Jake and Cool Matt, but they still have Dante. They still have, who I would say is in likes to Jake with, like, spirits on stage. And then Muma is just overall just a great person, great energy to have. So it's... He's not, like, a bad player. Yeah. People shit on Muma, but it's like, homie's still very good. He outplays... But he holds it down. he, He outplays some people sometimes, and you're like, oh, Muma did that. But... Uh, with the rest of the people they've brought in, it's really just like, we want some of the better players and coaches from these top teams, and they're going to take the dudes that we know are good, and they're going to make them even better. Yeah, because Blase is good, and I think that he's a valuable asset to have on this team. Jexay, Repel, both dope supports, and I think that that's much needed. But there's just upgrades in all positions. Hydration and Mecho are infinitely better than Cool Matt. Clearly. And and I think that Repel and uh, Jexay are definite support upgrades. And the coaching upgrade is gigantic. I think Harsha, he was the coach for Vancouver. He was a coach for Shock. And he has this reputation of being somebody that can elevate a roster. He did that with Vancouver. And I wonder if Vancouver struggles this season, is it going to be because they miss Coach Harsha? And I think that Houston is going to succeed this season because they have Coach Harsha. And I think that what Houston needed most last year was... A coach like Coach Harsha. Yeah, somebody that's... I don't know much about Coach Tyrong, but from what people seem to talk about him, like he wasn't 
a super great coach. And now you bring in Harsha, who is an accomplished-ass coach. And he coached the number one team in the league last year in terms of ranking. And so I think that's a gigantic uh, plus for them. However, the biggest question that I have with this team isn't like tank or isn't support. It's DPS. And I say that because Dante seems to be a lock to like just always play. But I'm not entirely sure Lynxer is the dude to get into a Widow battle. Again, he you does know, not pass. Linkser got shat on by soon last year. He does uh, not pass the Sherfor test. Yeah, in stage four, Linkser got shat on by soon. I don't know if I trust Linkser to be my sniper specialist should this become like a widow meta or whatever. I don't yeah. trust him to get into a duel with... Well, You're the teams in their division. I don't trust him to get into a duel with Carpe. I don't trust him to get in a duel with Cory. I don't trust him to get in a duel with Saya player. And I don't trust him to get in a duel with Erster. So, so so what do you do? Because you're DPS. You are in a division where... It has some of the best snipers in the league. You have the best yeah. DPS players just straight up in the league. Psy player, Corey, Carpe, and EQO, and then Erster and Edison. This entire division is filled with duos of DPS that are absolutely disgusting. And I don't know... If you can afford to have links or and just hope he has a great game. Yeah. Because you're going against some of the most consistent DPS players in the entire league. Watching Linkser highlights before, I don't remember which, like, which game. But it was like when snipers were kind of coming back. Before the tanks kind of were coming in. Well, Sigma, before Sigma came in. And before I was too double uh, shield heavy. I remember them showing, like, clips of Linkser getting shots. And just before that, they were showing, like, Saya Player, or they were showing Surefor even, and they were just showing these other clips of these amazing plays as a sniper and talking about Linkser and how it's like he was, he is considered, in my books, a hot and cold sniper. He will get, like, three shots, like, boo, 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 but there will be, like, three shots where he perfectly misses, too, where it's like, that was a wide open shot, my guy. You can't be missing shots like that especially with the people that he has to go against with those shots. And for how flexible their tank line is, their DPS line is not flexible. Dante is not a flexible player. Linkser is not a flexible player. Blase, on paper, should be a flexible player. But in practice, he's not a flexible player from what we've seen. And to speak in their division again, Carpe Ikuo, Corey Stratus... Yaki Saya player and Erster Edison. We can't stress this enough. Those are some. You're going to get dominated in any meta, and I don't know if the lack of flexibility with their DPS is going to be able to keep up with the rest of the league because flexibility is at such a premium. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest question: is just can the DPS rise to the occasion? Because their supports are fine and their tanks are, I think, the high point of this team. But it's going to come down to. Can your DPS basically be incredible consistently? Because they're going to need to be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. They they can't be middling. You know, they have to be incredible. They have to get it done. Speaking of getting it done. But their first three <laughs> games. And I think that this is a gigantic thing in favor of Houston not exactly. being trash this getting season. Getting it done. 
they play Florida, Washington, Boston, and then New York, London, Toronto. And they then, play Paris twice. And then later I'm pretty the sure season. they play Boston again after the London yes. Toronto and then Florida again. Yeah, they play Boston and then they play Paris and then a month later they play Paris again. So they have two games against Paris, Sans Sparkle. They have a game against Boston, who is not good. They have a game against London, who should probably not be good. But a lot of people are talking up London right now. And they're playing Toronto, who may or may not suck. So these are all potentially winnable games. Even Washington's a winnable game, especially early in the season. Oh, yeah. I think Washington and Florida are very winnable games early in the season. They're people that can get caught. So we could be looking at a situation where Houston is on top of their yeah, shit. Yeah, like Houston is like 6 and 3 to open the season and we're like, "Oh, damn, Houston's doing a lot better than we expected." I think it comes down to once they start playing the Shocks, the Atlantas, the Vancouver's, the Chinese teams where we will see Houston start to unravel. Mm-hmm. But this opening of the season is kind of a dope jump start having to play Boston London and Paris multiple times in the first two months is a gigantic advantage over Dallas (laughs) who has to basically go through a murderer's row. You get a nice game against the Valiant, but then you're suddenly thrown in against the shock and the dynasty. I'm pretty sure after that, they have to probably have to go against like the Titans. (laughs) Yeah. And even soul who we talked about today, spark dragons, and then the easy game Valiant. But going against the Spark and the Dragons, that's infinitely harder than Boston a couple times, mm-hmm. Paris a couple times, and then London a couple times. Before they have an easy record, before or Paris an easy even, schedule. Before Paris even gets their Wonder Boy, so it's like yeah, Paris isn't going to be exceptional. They don't have Sparkle, so this is going to be a depleted Paris team. Houston twice. Houston is going to literally be able to take such a great leap ahead that it's not even funny. Yeah, the issue is. They did start last season decent, and then they went on a gigantic losing streak, and then they had a decent stage, and then they went on another gigantic losing streak. Which so, seems to be a pattern with them. Yeah, so if this team From the can, last two years. Yeah, so if this team can just pull a, a soul and not just suck all yeah. the time and just win the games that they need to win... Games that were winnable. There was plenty of Houston games that I watched that I was like, why aren't, yeah, yeah. why aren't you winning this? Yeah, so if they can just beat the Bostons and the Parises of the world, they should be fine. But I don't trust Houston to do that completely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think that they could easily just drop a game to Boston for no reason. Yeah. Uh, so Houston, I don't know. I feel like they should be better than 9-19. and 19. I can see them. They I could also be, see them suck. They could be. A, this, is, this isn't me putting this out into the universe, but they could end up with having such a great forward momentum that they could become like a kind of a gatekeeper like Soul was. They'll be like, I, I think 13 wins is reasonable. Yeah, that's... Just because what, yeah. I think, you know, a Florida or a Washington early in the season can get caught. And obviously, Houston does have that upset potential where they are they're going to scrappy. have... A, yeah, they're going to have a couple games where everything just clicks and they defeat the Titans or something. Or they defeat the Gladiators, you know, on a good on a good day. Mm-hmm. I, I could see a lot of things clicking for them and them able to kind of pull it out. Yeah. Yeah, but that concludes our uh, season previews of all the teams in the Overwatch League. We got through it. That was cool. Now we actually get to watch games in two weeks, which is way better than not watching games in two weeks. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
So that's cool. However, this doesn't end uh, for the scrapyard. We, we keep going on. Things get more interesting. We, push we actually on. get to talk about real things and not just a bunch of contenders players we haven't watched. Yeah. So if you want to see some things we're doing, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Scrapyard Media. You can also look at us uh, on YouTube. We'll have some content up going up later this week. YouTube.com slash Scrapyard Media. We'll be doing a fantasy draft using draft buff draft buff that came out recently so if you want to get in on that you can send us a dm or hit us up in the discord in the description below and a bunch of youtube stuff coming out it's gonna be fun there's actually now there's stuff to actually tangibly talk about yeah and things get more interesting going into the actual season yeah uh, but hey we got through the off season hopefully we can get through the next two weeks. <laughs> Roll outro. <laughs>